0: All right, and welcome back to another episode of Who's Lifting Today. Today, we have Christy Brown, and we are going to be talking about eating disorders, um, kind of in relation to Eating Disorders Awareness Week. Christy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: I am so happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me again, Mark.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Happy to have you again after this as well. Um, I'm really happy to have you on here because eating disorders, it's like a big thing. Like both of us have clients that like have eating disorders. Um, You have personal experience yourself, but I wanted to bring you on because, you know, for myself, I don't know exactly if I fit right into the mold. There's probably some, you know, eating disorder behavior that I either have or have had in the past, but I don't know if I like qualify. And I kind of want to talk about that too. Like, you know, kind of, you know, what makes a person with an eating disorder, like when when you can tell, like when it's something you should work on, as opposed to like, you know, just building healthy habits is kind of an example. Mm -hmm. So I'd, I'd love to hear kind of your opinion, one on your own story, but also like, for someone who either has an eating disorder, or isn't sure if they have an eating disorder, like what route they should kind of go?
1: Oh, totally. So it's, it's kind of, Ugh, it's very different. Um, because in eating disorder, it's almost like the word healthy, right? We think healthy has a look, but and we think eating disorders have a look, but eating disorders actually have no look, they can be found in people with smaller bodies. And then they can also be found in people with larger bodies. In fact, like I had my eating disorder at both like, but it, it's I think people dismiss it and they don't think that they have a problem because, oh, I don't look like I have an eating disorder, right? Like we have this image in our brain that this is what eating disorders look like and I don't fit that image. So you don't think it's that bad yet. And that's where the trouble comes in because, you know, you could, I mean, at my, when I was living in my biggest body, I probably had some of the worst self-worth issues and, my, a very terrible relationship around food, but also at my leanest, I mean, I also had like severe eating disorders. So it's so hard to say when, you know, nobody really knows if they have an eating disorder until they actually talk about it. (laughs) And then you're like, Oh wow. Like this is not good. Like, you know, I am throwing up after I eat or I'm trying to avoid my meals or I am abusing diuretics or I'm um, like forcefully not eating throughout the day and, and trying to, you know, avoid food at all costs at social events. And, and then you can even get into a point Mark where, You are like really close to eating disorders. You may not have bulimia, anorexia, um, orthorexia or anything like that, but you have like severe anxiety around food. You can't trust yourself around food. Um, You constantly binge eat and then you go back to like clean eating the next day. So there's lots of forms and it has no certain look or no certain size.
0: Yeah. And I think like that's, you know, for for me as someone who like has a lot of friends and like where people with eating disorders, I think like what I would love to really clarify here is like where is the line on that? Like as kind of an example, I think you've made some very, you know, there's a lot there that I think like are clearly eating disorder, like abusing diuretics as an example, or like having anxiety around social gatherings to me seems like clearly uh, disordered eating. Um, But like kind of as an example, like I would love to know, is it the mental aspect that it continues? Like uh, I'll give kind of an example here is like someone who maybe like chooses to eat more vegetables in their life just because they want to be healthier. It's probably not disordered eating, right? Right. Um, Where is kind of the line between like, this is disordered eating that needs to be resolved versus like, I just want to make better um, health choices. Like kind of, you know, I think like that gets confused a lot because I think people with disordered eating, you know, they're just, even though it's disordered, that is they think they're doing like the best thing for their Mm -hmm. health and their body and all that kind of jazz so I would love is there like any way to clarify what the difference would look like
1: yes and this is something that I think you have to really dig deep internally because when I was at the heart of my eating disorders I was like no no no, but I'm being healthy no like this is being healthy right like I did a bad thing I ate an entire box of cliff bars like that's bad. I shouldn't be doing that. That's not healthy. So I think it's um number 1. There's two things that involve in this. It's it's our society in whole like we praise people that lose weight. doesn't matter if you just lost a loved one. It doesn't matter if you're on a certain medication. It doesn't matter if you just got really sick. You get praised, hey, did you just lose weight? Like, you look great. And now all of a sudden people think, oh, well, this is what makes me valuable. This is what makes me um, adequate. This is what makes people need and like me. So we start like looking at health as always getting smaller and always losing weight. And I think that's where we feel as a society in in thinking that health is in, you know, skinny teas and uh, cleanses and detoxes. You know, if you have a working liver and kidneys that does every cleanse and detox you will need for your body. So yeah, you know what I mean? So and then secondly, too, I think the main thing if you can like really this isn't like a outer layer level type of question. This is definitely something you have to dig deep into. And I think that you have to understand, okay, everything that I'm doing for health, right? How I eat, how I train, whatever I do um, in the name of health, is it for the look of health or for actual health itself? And I think you can definitely dig deep and ask yourself another question that goes even deeper with that is, how is this going to make me feel? Right. Like, is this a form of self care? Right. Because when you're taking care of yourself, you don't overeat and you don't undereat. When you're taking care of yourself, you don't abuse diuretics. You don't throw up after you eat. You know, when you're nourishing your body with food and exercise, that's like self care. You know what I mean? So I think we need to re. Uh, direct our, what our vision of health is, because I think it means something different to everybody, but in everybody's sense, it should mean self-care.
0: Right. Absolutely. And I think like one of the challenges of that is when you have disordered eating is I think that you mentally think that you are still doing self-care is that this almost where it adds the disordered eating is that that person who's using diuretics might actually think that that is a form of self-care because it's decreasing the, caloric intake or whatever, whatever the motive might be for that. Um, So what would be like a good sign that you're doing disordered eating versus like just, you know, eating more vegetables to be healthier or something that like is, is overly non-controversial because I think like when you're in disordered eating, I think like when you're out of it, that's, those are like pretty obvious. right? Right. But when you're in disordered eating, I think like that clarification becomes much more complicated um, and someone is in a state of mind where like using the diuretics might actually, they might actually think it is self-care. Right. Like that's the, uh, and I, I, you know, what were, you know, at least you can talk about your own self-experience or the experience with your clients. But I would love to know, like, if someone's unsure if they have an eating disorder, like what, are there some telltale signs that exist? Are there things that... Um, they can watch out for that tend to be common trends in people with disorder. Oh
1: my gosh. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up. So um, I think one of the main things that it's really important for people to understand about this is that when you are truly taking care of yourself for actual health, not for the look of health, it comes from a place of, I want to, instead of I have to. And that was a big one for me, like noticing that, okay, it's not that I have to get rid of this bad food that I ate. And when I say bad food, like I was I was scared to eat oatmeal with like my cheat meal like back in the day was uh, oatmeal with like peanut butter and and. Like brown sugar on it and things like that, nuts, everything. And I was scared to eat that because of the carb content and everything. It was too much. I went over my macros for the day. Um, Everything seemed very forceful. So um, some signs... Excuse me, some signs that you uh, are kind of heading down this direction of health as a look, Um, an unhealthy relationship with food. I mean, it's uh, frequently eating healthy, then uncomfortably binging after the week, right? Like, oh, I'll start again on Monday type attitude. Um, It also involves like eating less of what you ate the day before eating less because of what you ate the day before, right? Like trying to balance out, oh, I binged yesterday, so I'm going to eat less today. And forcefully eating by the time on the clock, ignoring the hunger signals of your body. I mean, Mark, I didn't even know what hungry or full felt like. If you don't know what hungry or full feels like in your body, that is a huge red flag. It comes from chronic dieting. It comes from always following plans. And then you lose that trust within your body that tells you, hey, I'm full. We're good. We don't need any more. Or hey, I need more food. So it can also look like fearing certain foods like carbs, sugar, fats. Um, It can come from, like I said, chronic dieting, chronically counting, or always trying to eat clean, um, always trying to be good. Um, you know, gaining and losing the same five or 10 pounds over and over again, having frequent battered body image days that uh, can correlate to body dysmorphia, never feeling good enough around your body or with food, always focusing on the scale rather than actually taking care of your body. It really comes from, you know, thinking self confidence and happiness is in losing weight because you have happiness and self-confidence already. It's just, you think it's in weight loss, but having severe anxiety around food or your body, especially when going out, avoiding social events, um, constantly stuck in fix-it mode around your body, constantly like meal plan, uh, diet hopping, um, having a list of good or bad foods, over-exercising as punishment for what you ate the night before, and you know really it comes down to living that all-or-nothing mentality of well if I can't get a full workout in then I just won't work out at all. So those are major signs.
0: For sure. And those are all really good to know. I want to kind of talk a little bit more about when you're saying like someone is eating for a certain look or someone is eating for weight loss. Um, Let's say that's the primary and sole focus of the individual. If someone and like that's not really either of our training, but like obviously that does exist, that if someone is choosing eating habits solely for the focus of aesthetics and or weight loss, would that be classified under disorder eating or are those two different things? Because I know you mentioned Mm -hmm. that a few times there. And I just want to be clear, like, you know, let's, let's say someone is eating more vegetables to like be more toned as like kind of an example. Yeah. Is that, would that be potential disorder eating that exists there or those kind of like separate things that sometimes that's
1: such a good question mark and you ask the best questions so um i and of course like i'm gonna have a really great answer to this because i am a firm believer that i think you and i both agree like we believe in body autonomy you can do whatever you want with your body like go do it it's all up to you but i think it's okay. If you're like, Hey, I need, I want to add more vegetables. Vegetables make me feel good. You know, vegetables, um, help give me more energy. You know, I just, I like the taste of them, you know, whatever it is about vegetables, you just want to add it in. And if you're doing it for aesthetics, um, I think of that, I would just kind of ask yourself as to, okay, what, what is, what do I think this look is going to bring me? Right? Like, is this look going to bring me more money or, make people love me more or you know this if i get to this look then um you know i'm i'm going to get a raise at my job or you know what are you hoping to get out of this look of aesthetics because i just be careful that it doesn't tie into your self worth that's what happened to me like that look i took over that fit friend identity and that fit mom identity as like, that was mine, right? Like everybody came to me for advice on fitness and health and what to eat. And, you know, I was a bodybuilder. I was a mom. I was working out every day at 4.30 AM. Like I was always eating clean and eating out of containers. And to me, that was my life. And if I strayed from that, or if I gained any weight, it, it may, would have made me feel like I lost everybody's respect. It would have made me feel like they wouldn't have loved me anymore or took me seriously. I would have thought people would have, um, thought I gave up on myself or gave up on health. So I would really ask yourself what you think you're gonna get out of having this better aesthetic. And if it's happiness, confidence, I just wanna be healthier, You can really do that without an aesthetic. And I'm just saying, if you do want to, hey, I just want to try it. I just want to go for it. By all means, train for aesthetics, eat for aesthetics. But there comes a point when you have to give yourself a break. Um, metabolically speaking, uh, aesthetically speaking, mentally speaking, physically speaking, you will bury yourself into the self-destructive ground Come stemming from insecurities, um, fears around not being good enough if you stay in this. I stayed in this for years. And to me, it's like dieting, right? Dieting really wasn't built to be a lifestyle. Like you're meant to go on a diet and then stop going on a diet, reset your metabolism and then go back on a diet. Like Truly, that's what it was for. So if diets are not built to be done 365 days a year or to become a lifestyle. So that's my take on that. It's a very gray area. But I do believe that if you want to do it for the right reasons, then um, it shouldn't be about how you look, but how you want to feel.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a, it is, yeah, I, you know, kind of like the, it depends always seems like a classic <laughs> answer for questions like this. Um, and I think one of the distinguishing factors that I'm seeing here, or at least just like hearing your examples, is that what makes it a an eating disorder, whether that's part of what you have or not, kind of depends on like whether that choice is something you want to do or mm-hmm. need to do. Like that seems, you know, kind of the idea is like if you're choosing to eat the vegetables because you just think it's a good idea um, and you feel better with eating vegetables, like that's kind of a sign that you're just like, you're just have you just have good (laughs) habits. Mm -hmm. As opposed to like, I need to eat the vegetables because if I don't, that means I'm unhealthy, which means I'll, you know, insert. So like that seems to be like the distinguishing factor is like kind of the control of your choices as opposed to like how mandatory they are. um. Or perceive, I guess, is like kind of just sounds like a distinguishing factor to me. Just kind of like listening. Yes,
1: eating disorders stem from a lack of self confidence. They stem from insecurities around your body, and they stem from needing outside validation from others. That is like the root and the core of them. And I think we all have that to
0: like a certain extent you know
1: what i mean like we're all we're all human we all like care what other people think yeah us. i was gonna
0: say like there, there's mm-hmm. this is why i wasn't like too sure because like i'm not diagnosed or anything along those lines of an eating disorder but uh if i were to guess i do think that i would fill some of these categories in mm-hmm. some capacity right I think like that's you know why i was like um not that you like you need, need to diagnose me like via podcast but i do you know I, these a lot of these habits are like not um uncommon right as a kind of an example is that like i think a lot of people um maybe do these things now and celebrate them and think that they're really good like i think that that's the and that's kind of the concern and like a lot of this is even encouraged and in like a lot of society maybe not like the diuretics one but like the you know, like eating less because you ate too much the day before is like, you know, the kind of the idea is like, you're, you know, for me, like, I always talk about like your motivation to the gym shouldn't be like, oh, I was so bad. Mm. last week. Like, that's not what you want. Right. And that um, I think people have that exist in their life, but not see it as like a disorder. Like, it's just like a thing that they do. Totally.
1: Totally. Absolutely. There is a difference. And, and it does. It's so different for everybody. And I think it does start with, with like society's box that, you know, it wants to put us in. Oh, you're a woman. You need to be small. You need to be petite. You need to be humble. You need to like work hard, but not too hard and have dreams, but not too big of dreams. And as a man, you need to look this way and you need to provide, and you need to do this and you need to please your woman and do this. And that. And we all have these like roles that we feel like we need to stay in. But I think it's, it's time. We kind of like bust out of those roles and be like, <laughs> I call bullshit. Like, I'm, I am not playing this game anymore. I'm good. I'm happy here where I am in, in this body. And in speaking genetically, like health, I, I, gosh, this is why I don't, you know, judge anybody on their weight. And I don't, you know, look at someone and say, oh, they're unhealthy because I have seen like 300 pound Olympic lifters be so healthy with the best heart rates and, um, you know, blood pressure and everything. And, and they may look Like they, you know, are obviously bigger, but I mean, they train daily. They, they do so much. Everybody's body is so different. You know, I've used this analogy before, but it's like saying health, everybody, if you're healthy, you're a size six shoe, right? Like how many of us would be like, Oh, I don't fit that. You know, genetically we're just all built so differently. And I think we should start embracing that instead of hating on it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of those things is that like, if you have an eating disorder and you're in like a larger body it can be misdiagnosed a lot where you hear a lot of stories about like women in bigger bodies who are eating 1200 calorie diets Mm. as like kind of an example or like which is like so far below what they should be eating and i think it it, you know there's kind of two flip there's kind of like two biases that exist at least that i've seen is that if you're a bigger body like people kind of assume you have a problem Mm -hmm. with the gate right Mm -hmm. that like there's something going on there that is not you know, working properly, you're not doing something, whatever it might be. And then I think there's a second bias that exists that, oh, you're thin, which means you're definitely fine. Like that, I think is the opposite. And I think that's unfair to both demographics because, you know, like, like kind of like you were saying, like someone in like a smaller body, you know, just isn't on the radar of like potentially having a problem. Um, And they might not think they have a problem. And even like what you've mentioned in a previous podcast is like when you were at your smallest, you know, you, you were full on disordered eating. but was essentially like praised by your family and friends. Um, So I think that's like an interesting dynamic as well, that like, we kind of assume that if someone's at like, you know, let's say a regular BMI um, that they are fine um, for sure. And then someone who is, you know a larger body than like let's say what is over the average that like there's like something there that needs to be resolved not knowing any Oh totally
1: and that. i think a lot of this stems from a couple of like main i've noticed even just with my clients these characteristic traits that we're we're all embodying is perfectionism overachieving and people pleasing like the people that have like perfectionist tendencies um, and overachieving tendencies, we tend to embody uh, eating disorders a little bit more because we if we're gonna be healthy, then we're gonna be the healthiest person out there. And that was my goal was, okay, if I'm gonna be healthy, then I'm gonna be the best healthy person I could ever be in my entire life, right? So so overeating was unacceptable. Eating, um, you know over my allotted calorie budget was totally unacceptable and if I did I punished myself with exercise or it was something to where it was just like no this is bad don't do this and truly that's what I thought being healthy was I thought being healthy was going on a diet and I thought it meant staying within my BMI and I love that you brought that up Mark because actually when I was um Still in my eating disorders, I was still classified as overweight, but I was extremely lean, um, but I just had a lot of muscle on my body. So, but I was still categorized as overweight in BMI. So it's just because I'm 5'2 and I'm very short. But when you obviously BMI doesn't account for muscle mass. So I was always trying to be like, oh, I need to get to a normal BMI, which I also think is super dangerous. So it, there's so many different ways that I don't know our, our health right now, like the, indus, the health industry is just failing us.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agreed. I think it's one of those things that's really important. Like as weight neutral coaches, we I think, you know, the, the narrative online is that we're a lot about feelings and a lot about like, you know, you don't have to change who you are, you're perfect the way you are. Like, that's at least what I what I've seen, like for people mm-hmm. who critique weight neutral coaches. And I think one of the conversations that we need to have is that like, we're just not labeling you <laughs> out of the gate like based off like 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 i still want to know if someone has like high blood glucose levels or if someone is you know hypertensive like those are all still important things i think i just don't assume that based off of like what your build is um and that's kind of the 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 narrative that i would love to clarify is because i think um weight neutral coaches do a really good job of like talking about self-worth and talking about self-care but not enough about like the science that exists behind mm-hmm. mutual, neutral training, I think would like go a long way and like give more credibility. Um, I want to come back yeah. to this <laughs> though, so we don't get totally after. Um, so let's say someone's listening to this and like, they're like, okay, I guess i like do have an eating disorder or some, some kind of disorder eating somewhere on the scale, whatever it might be. Um, what do you think is an appropriate first step for that person um, that like could start. Oh, totally. Right I track.
1: would 100% go uh, reach out for help at that point. I don't care if you think, oh, it's not enough. It's not enough. No, this is stupid. I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting their time. That's how I felt. Um, I want you to either like go talk to a psychiatrist, or um, I you could always talk to your physician about this. But it depends on the relationship that you have. A lot of people, it's so scary, because as doctors, there's no hate on them whatsoever. They do a lot of great things, but some of them, and I'm not labeling all of them, but some of them, um, you know, the first thing they ask you is, you know, oh, what's your diet like, and you need to lose weight. And I think that's what's hurting people the most in this, um, as opposed to what's your relationship like with food, right? And I think that's should be the question that should be asked. So I think that this is more of a mental issue than anything. Um, I would highly recommend seeking out in uh, a a physician or somebody who um, is certified in that, or um, something that I did too, was I reached out, you know, I was, I heard all this jazz on the internet about like intuitive eating and what that is. And how do you listen to your body? What are you talking about? My body can tell me exactly what to eat. Are you kidding me? No way. Not mine. I didn't think it was ever possible. And now I teach it. So it's one of those things to where find help. Like I don't, it doesn't even need to be you and me market. Just, just get help because The thing is you don't realize how many people are watching you. And when I say watching you, I mean, little eyes, like I have kids, but if you don't have kids, your nieces and your nephews, like I grew up the way that I think about food because um, I never grew up with one woman around me that liked her body. Right. Like, every woman in my entire life always hated her body and needed to fix it. So I think that's where this all starts is a low self-worth in who you are and how you're built. And that you, you know, you have to be this size to be loved, liked, and adored. So I would 100% mark like reach out for help uh, in any way, shape, or form that you can.
0: Yeah, and I think like you made a really good point there on like seeking help to a physician is like really kind of a mixed bag that exists i think you know what's important to understand about like the doc both the system of like healthcare both in the united states and canada and like just the education that doctors get you know in my opinion like doctors are just underqualified to talk about nutrition and exercise they're very smart people they know a lot um they know a lot more than i do on many topics but when you just look at the system that doctors go through, like how much time they dedicate to nutrition and fitness, um, they're just underqualified. And I think like that's the, you know, it's, it's no hate on them as a person or anything along those lines. But really when we're talking about like disordered eating, we really can't, like they're not mm-hmm. the people to go to. And I think like that's, that's important to like to talk about is because I think like doctors are given such prestige that they like know everything across the board. Um, but when you look at like what their lessons were, what they focused on in school, um, is that you really can't, you can't look at that and then be like, oh, they would definitely mm-hmm. like no nutrition. Like that's the, um, and that's just like what exists in the program today. Like hopefully that'll change in the future. Um, but you know, this is why it's always concerning. And, and even for me on the fitness level, I've had to clarify, like with other, you know, I've had like, um, clients go to doctors and just give them like. not correct information on fitness like and like just like it's it's you know like the amount of times i've heard like oh you can't exercise at all um it's very rare that whatever whatever your situation is that you can't exercise in any capacity is like an extremely Mm -hmm. rare situation um and i've had it done so many times to like oh i went to the doctor and they told me i can't work out right ever and I'm just like, like, like for things that like, yes, modifications are needed. But the idea that you would be like, nope, gone forever, like is kind of like, like, I don't even, I'm just trying to think of like, what even a condition would be that you could not exercise ever again. Um, but it like does come up. So I think like that's yeah. important. And you know
1: well. what? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Go ahead, Mark. Where I was going to say this, uh, something really important, kind of piggybacking off of that is if you do like all those kind of symptoms I (laughs) listed off earlier, if you're like, oh my gosh, this is me, do not, whatever you do, go on another diet. Like I just had a client come to me and she ditched her dietitian because she goes, I had to stay within a certain calorie amount. She goes, I used to have bulimia. I've recovered, but it's taking me kind of back into that. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, we need to get you out of this. Like macro situation because yeah you see some people out there like i to me they're like the unicorns because it's literally a very small percent of women or people in general that can do this but that actually like find balance after like kind of healing their relationship with food and, um, and through macros or through dieting or through counting or through eating extremely clean. Um, but most of us can't, I couldn't still to this day, I can't touch macros because it takes me back to that. It triggers me back to that. So it, oh, go ahead.
0: I think yeah. are you, so for macros specifically, cause I think yeah. macros is a very interesting conversation. Um, would you say it's not good for anyone or not good for people who come from a disordered eating past because like the way, cause I, I have like friends who have had macros, like I've had people in the podcast talk about macros as well. And kind of like the way that I see macros is that if you can just see it as data and only data, then it's fine. But if you can't compartmentalize in that way, then it's really not something that you should be touching and can create disordered eating in itself. Um, and I think like, it kind of depends on the person mm-hmm. and their background. I would love to know your thoughts on like, are there people who can do macros? And oh, 100%. Not Absolutely.
1: You could totally do that. I, there are people out there that I know do that and it's, they're fine. Um, and then there's other people I know like me, which is, I'm going to say most of us out there, we just can't like, here's the thing. Most people, when they're, Oh, Oh shit. I've got all of these symptoms of uh, a bad relationship with food, right? Like I have disordered eating patterns or I have an eating disorder. A lot of people want to jump straight to that balance. They want to jump straight to, okay, going into the world of balance. But most of us, it, it depends on how deep you've been in it for the longest time too. I was in it for decades. Um, you actually have to kind of take down the whole building and restart your foundation. It's, it's like a 200 pound deadlift, right, Mark? So if I, if my goal is I want a 200 pound deadlift, you're not going to start me at a 200 pound deadlift, right? You're going to say, okay, let's work on, um, just body weight deadlifting. All right. Now let's add some weight and then you're going to work me up to the 200 pounds. Well, that's exactly what balanced eating is for, for most of us that have. It to a certain extent, which is pretty severely, we have to completely start at the beginning, which the first step is allowing yourself full permission on all foods. So it's a very scary step, but there's ways to go around that and there is structure you can do with that, which is why I highly recommend a coach. So that's how I take it is some people can, but most of us need to start at the beginning.
0: Yeah, and honestly, like this was, I think, like one of the main benefits of the mm-hmm. course is that that's what it really does. Is like the course that we have together is that it really, like, does break it down in that way. And, like, you know, the first lesson of your course is, like, how all foods can fit. And I think, like, that's important, too, because if you come from disordered eating, like, that does kind of tend to, you know, demonize certain foods and glorify others. And I think, like, learning that you can have the foods that you want in your system, I think, is really, really valuable in that, like, you don't need to see it in that kind of way. Like, you don't need to feel ashamed for, you know, having a piece of cake, or you don't need to, to like, glorify any kind of like, oh, I have to have, you know, eight handfuls of (laughs) veggies or else like I'm unhealthy today. Um, I think learning that value, I think like, you know, learning how all foods can fit. Oh,
1: totally. Because really all foods can fit in amounts that feel good to you, right? You can have a piece of cake, but you don't need to have the whole cake. You can have a bite of cake. You don't necessarily always have to have the whole piece. You know, it's so different for everybody.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I absolutely agree on that. Um, where can people find you if they're looking for more information on this or they've come from a previous eating disorder? Um, maybe they have questions or want to learn more. Yeah, where so um the best place to reach
1: Instagram it? at intuitively underscore strong. And um I have a resources page. It's the link in my bio, and I'm also on TikTok as well at intuitively underscore strong. Um and then we have that course together, Mark, which to me is just gold. It's absolute gold because it encompasses both the eating and training. Like this is something I wish I would have had when I first started the process of healing my relationship with food, because that's what it is. It's a journey and it's a process. Like you and I both know this isn't going to happen overnight. It's nothing that's even going to happen in the next week. Like this is something you constantly have to put the reps into to keep building up. And each time you get better and better at it.
0: Yeah. And I think like, like, the, yeah, that that was really the value of the course that we made as well, is that it was really one of those things that, you know, just telling someone to you now I have good or bad <laughs> foods is like pretty useless information. Um, and you know, I, I've had many people who kind of are like, listen, like, I would love to start like, not training for the weight on the scale. I would love to be able to eat a cookie and not have guilt or shame or not feel bad for missing a workout, but it's just not as easy right. as just, you know, not doing it. Right. And they're, they're definitely like, you know, to, to me, like our course is just kind of like the transition process to that is like how you can have right. a cookie and not feel bad about yourself or like, how to how all foods can fit like your first episode or like you know how to enjoy training and rest days yours
1: one of your courses Um, the rest days one was so big for me because i never took rest days so that's so important
0: yeah or like having a having yeah exactly like having a rest day having a day off how it's like yes you need it valuable to the process um is something that like you like like you're gonna be better having rest days I think it's like, like, it's not only like, oh, you can just let it slide, which I think is kind of the narrative that a lot of people think is like, no, no, no. It's like, this is like a valuable part of the process is that like, if you want to be a healthier person, like that includes days off from training and that should be incorporated as part of your process. So um, yeah, no, I think like that's, and I, I, listen, it was a pleasure making that with you genuinely. Um, So I'm so happy that we have that. Um, Yeah. But like I mentioned, uh, you guys can find her out intuitively underscore strong uh, i highly recommend checking out her website as well christy brown um but yeah i just want to say thanks for coming on and like you know for uh, eating disorders thank you for dish. having me mark appreciate you all right this has been another episode of who's lifting Bye. today and take care everyone